And so this morning, I want to talk about the prayer of the first century church. If you remember, Christ, I believe in it's Matthew chapter 5 and 6, that he saw the crowds coming. And by now, he had no time to himself. So the Bible tells us, I believe early in, in Matthew chapter 5, that, that Christ took off and went to the mountains to get away from the crowds, the multitude, in the very first verse of Matthew chapter 5. And then his disciples go after him and find him up in the mountains. And it specifically says they found him in his place. And that place was the place of prayer. And one of the questions they asked him while he was there at his place was, Lord, teach us to pray. John the Baptist's disciples taught them to pray. He taught them to pray. Will you teach us to pray? So the disciples there, and also a little later on, I believe in Luke chapter 11, Christ goes through with them and specifically teaches them the structure of prayer. So prayer was nothing new to the disciples. That brings us to the book of Acts. Take your Bibles this morning. Open to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Christ is at the Mount of Olives with his disciples. And in Acts chapter 1, we come to that scene on the Mount of Olives where it describes the Lord's ascension into heaven. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 10 through 14, here's what the scripture says. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, Christ is leaving the earth. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I, I, I clearly see from this verse that we are to look for, we're to love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you have the right attitude towards the return of Jesus. In fact, the quality of your Christian life is determined by your outlook. Looking to him, looking for him, but our hope is not in the second coming of Christ, but our hope is in the Christ of the second coming. Then in verse number 12, it says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper, an upper room, where abode Peter, both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zealots and Judas the brother of James. Though these, these people, all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. In, this verse, in these verses, we read that Jesus ascended into heaven and his disciples returned to Jerusalem. There they met in an upper room and they prayed. They prayed. In fact, the Bible says, that the first century church continued with one accord in prayer. They continued with one accord in prayer. As, as we see, search the scriptures, as we look through our New Testament, there are two different kinds of church meetings that we see. There's preaching meetings and there's prayer meetings. This is clearly evident as we read the, about the teaching and preaching. If we, if we look at the epistles of Paul, and specifically in the book of Acts. Uh, the second kind of meaning we find in the New Testament uh, 
the prayer meeting, I, I believe, is one that churches have sorely neglected. It's the most necessary meeting, a prayer meeting. Um, and let me tell you, right off the bat, I am not an expert at prayer. I'm not. This Sunday school lesson was for me. Again, you get to listen in as the Lord speaks to me about prayer because I am not a, a strong prayer. I am not a person who, uh, in my spiritual life, go to God in prayer when I should. Um, but it was one of the characteristics of the first century church. It needs to be a characteristic of our church. couple things. First of all, we are to pray to the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Giving thanks always unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ's name alone is authority. That's the name we need to go to God in prayer. I often find myself praying, In Jesus' name, amen. Instead of, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, 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 want, I want to be one to pray in, not just his human name, Jesus, but as we're instructed, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, containing all three titles. Why is that important? Because, first of all, we're told to. Secondly, we're speaking of uh, the, the Christ, the conquering Christ. We're talking about our ascended Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And when you look to Jesus, what Christ are you looking for? What Christ are you looking to? When you imagine that you're looking at Jesus, what do you imagine? The Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Some here, it, this is the sum. That means this is the total. This is all. This is everything you need. The Christ we look to is victorious. He's satisfied every demand. He's declaring that he is co-equal with God the Father. When we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are acknowledging that there is no greater power. He is God. Not just Jesus the man, but our Lord and our Savior, He is God. We need a praying church. Oh, I believe in individual prayer. I believe in the priesthood of the believer. I believe in individual soul liberty. But there's something very pleasing to God when a church works together and prays together. Consider the testimony of, of the disciples in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. It says, but we'll, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There's a specific divine order here. We cannot minister the word of God without first praying. Do we force our way through life or do we faith our way through life? I, I want to have a first century praying church. I hope you do too. So I've got just a couple points here giving you examples of how the first century church prayed. First of all, it declared its absolute dependence on God through prayer. The first century church declared its absolute dependence on God through prayer. There should be regular times when the church is called to do together to do nothing but pray. 
I, re I remember I remember one of those times we we had our, our head deacon at one of our churches when when I was younger and um, he had a stroke. He was a younger man. He had a stroke and went instantly into a coma. And, and it was a it was a Saturday morning. And by Saturday night, they, they were doing surgery um, and trying to fix some of the things that he some of the broken blood vessels in his brain. He was not expected to live. And we got a phone call. I expected a chair, uh, a phone chain, prayer chain phone call. The call I got was not what I was expecting. It was, we're meeting at the church tonight to pray for Dale. And I remember when I got there, there was like 50 people, which was huge for a 100 congregation church. And we didn't sit in the chairs. We sat on the, on the stage and on the steps. And for hours, we prayed for Dale. Every one of us. Now, Dale fully recovered from that. And for years, again, continued serving the church. But I remember that prayer meeting because we were totally dependent on God. We met together as a congregation, not to sing songs of praise, not to preach the word or teach. We met specifically for prayer. So did the New Testament church. I remember that clearly, praying for Dale. The first century church declared its absolute dependence on God. They had no clue what to do next. They didn't know. Look again at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Here's the disciples. They're standing there. God, Christ told them, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave behind the Holy Spirit, and then I want you to get busy. And so they, they watched him go, and the men said, go back to Jerusalem and start to work, and they didn't know what to do. They were lost. Their shepherd was gone. Now what? They went back and prayed because they were totally dependent on God to tell them what to do next. If we have a church preaching or a church teaching meeting, I clearly believe that in the Bible it shows that men should do the teaching and men should do the preaching to a mixed audience. I, I think I could show you that from the Bible. But in this prayer meeting, I think you'd be hard-pressed to prove that the women weren't praying. There's nothing in a church stronger, I believe, than a praying woman. I really think that is the foundation of most churches that are successful today. Not the bus ministry. The women that pray for the bus ministry. Not the preaching. The women that pray for the preacher. I think those are the strongest parts of our church. Christ was gone. They were all alone. Through the Old Testament, God had always had a people. And now the church age had begun. And the church did nothing but pray. They needed to know what to do next. They, need, they were totally dependent on God. That's what a praying church does. It does not run ahead of God, but waits on the Lord. Psalm chapter 27 and 37 both use that phrase over and over again. Wait on the Lord. We never waste time waiting on God. And these people went in and waited on God and prayed. Remember, we're sometimes early, but God is never late. God is never late. The first century church declared its absolute dependence on God through prayer. Number two. 
The first century church sought God for laborers through prayer. They sought God for, through, for laborers through prayer. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, Christ is talking to his disciples. And saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Where's the harvest? Is it in Bonita Springs? No, it's not. Bonita Springs is included, but the harvest field is the world. And when a praying church seeks God for laborers for the whole world, God will listen, he will hear, he will send laborers. We don't have laborers. Why? We don't ask. It tells us to pray specifically for laborers. We pray for our missionaries. Do we pray for new ones? God, bring more missionaries. God, we need more laborers. That's what a praying church does. It seeks God for laborers through prayer. There's a third one. The first century church came together as one body in agreement through prayer. Notice again, in the book of Matthew chapter 18, the Lord is giving specific instructions about church discipline. We've gone to this scripture a couple times in this study. Christ is telling them how church discipline is supposed to work. And in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 through 21, it says this, Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. This promise is made to the smallest plural company one could possibly have. Two. Two people. The application here is the church praying together, binding things together. The church, the first century church came together as one body in agreement. Prayer was their bond. I have had over the years, I hate those infomercials. I do. The, uh, what is it, the copper pan, the Jinsu knives, Flex Seal. I actually had a chance to use Flex Seal. Um, I was walking, I had a boat, and the boat sprung some leaks accidentally in the bottom. I think my grandson, when he was younger, when I had this boat, found my hammer and was just seeing the bottom, if the claw parts would go through the bottom of my boat, because there were clear claw marks in the bottom of my boat. And I had to seal that aluminum boat. So I found flex seal tape. And I taped it. And it worked. It didn't leak anymore. And then I got the caulk, and I had some leaks in my roof, on my aluminum roof, and I put that up there, and it works. It actually holds stuff together. You've seen the commercials where you can build a whole boat, and it sticks the whole boat together. That stuff is amazing. It glues stuff even underwater. I have never tried it underwater, but apparently it works. It sticks everything together. It bonds. Not as much as prayer. That flex seal is going to fail. Prayer will never fail. It holds things together really well. Prayer is a better bond than flex seal. 
members of churches do not agree. And they don't agree because they don't pray together. Praying together as a church will have the same effect as praying together as a family. Something very troubling was going on here in Matthew chapter 18. Somebody had to be disciplined. The church was about to be divided. They were told to come together in agreement. Oh, the devil would like nothing more than to split our church wide open today. We need praying together to be our bond. And it's right, it's right to voice our agreement with someone else's prayer. We acknowledge our agreement to another's prayer when we say amen, which means truth. Yes. We say it with our hearts. We say it with our lips. We have power in prayer as we agree in prayer to bind things together in prayer to God. If a family is falling apart, I can guarantee they're not praying together. I've never seen a family fall apart that prays together. I just don't because prayer is the bond that holds families and churches together. Number four. The first century church sought God's protection through prayer. Sought God's protection through prayer. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 4, Christ says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The first century church sought protection from God. Christ told, told his disciples, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. When I hear of somebody who sinned in the church, I ask myself, did I pray for them? Did we pray for them as, as a church as we should have prayed for them before they fell into temptation? Do you pray for your pastor as you should? Do you pray for the leaders in our church? the deacons, the trustees? Do you pray for your children's teachers, your children, the teens, those that affect the testimony of our church, their daily lives? Do you pray for their daily lives? Do you pray for them on their daily job? Do you pray for their minds? Do you, do you pray that their lives be clean and have a strong witness? Are we praying for each other? to keep us from going into temptation. What shock and what hurt it is when churches go through what a when a moral failure enters the life of a leader in their church. I've been through it. I'm sure many of you have been through it. The church is shocked and hurt. And the devil is out there to do, trying to do anything he can to bring this the greatest temptation across our path at our weakest moment. Are we praying for the individuals in our church to avoid temptation? The only way we can win the victory is through prayer. It's the only way. Number five, the first century church had an increased faith and an enlarged vision through faith. Last week, we looked really briefly at Acts chapter 4. We found that the disciples, a couple disciples were told by the religious leaders who opposed them not to preach, not to do what they were doing any longer. A, a great miracle had actually taken place, and persecution was brought onto them 
because of that. And then in Acts chapter 4, in verse 23 and 24, it says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They went to their own company, their own church. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They're quoting Old Testament right here. In their prayers, which I think is great, praying scripture. They continued praying scripture in verse 25 through 29. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever they, thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And there verse 29, and now Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. All these people were against them and they're praying for boldness to keep going, faith, an enlarged vision, they didn't look to themselves. They did not look to match flesh against flesh. They looked to heaven and said, Thou art God. Their faith was increased. Their vision was enlarged through faith in prayer. I was a youth pastor for four and a half years at a church in Michigan. And one of the most memorable things that I did while we were at the youth pastor, as a youth pastor, is we took a summer mission trip to Juarez, Mexico, uh, with Bearing Precious Seed Ministries, um, which prints tracts and gospels of uh, uh, John, and we, we handed those out to uh, the Spanish speakers there. And then after a couple days in Juarez, the gospel, the people are thirsty for the gospel there. I, I, I remember we had cases of, of the gospel of John and as buses would go by, people would have their hands out trying to get them. There was not one we found on the ground. Every, they were eager for the gospel. And we were handing them to people. And then we pressed further down into Mexico. I don't even remember. It was like two days drive on a bus. We got to these villages. We had set up with a native pastor there who was trying to, to start a church in that village and I didn't speak Spanish at all. I mean, I knew burrito and taco, but that was about it. And, and I remember I had some kids in my youth group that, that were taking Spanish in high school, so they would help me out a little bit. And, and we went door to door in this village telling them that there was a película at La Plaza, a movie at the plaza at night. And so we invited everybody from the whole village to this movie, and it was a Christian film about hell. And then the, the native pastor would get up and preach, and people would get saved. That, that was the whole intent. And, and then he'd have a group of people to work with with church. And I remember that first night, there were, there were about 1,000 people that showed up for this movie. And when our youth was like, yes! And the movie showed, and, and, and we're walking around, and we're praying and we're praying a little bit for the pastor and, and for the people to get saved. And that night, six people got saved. And the youth group was like, yes! And we got together afterwards and we debriefed. And the, and the pastor, our leader, stood up and said, that was horrible. It was horrible. 
He said, I, I am strongly disappointed in you guys because he said, I saw, I saw uh, you pray. I asked you to go pray in groups and you pray and then you just walk around the crowd and smile and goof off and look at each other and you weren't praying fervently. You weren't praying for boldness. And, and I was ashamed and my teens were ashamed. And we went the very next day to another village and we did the same exact thing. But this time when the thousand people showed up, we prayed. I, I remember a group of five or six of my teens would be here and we would pray and everybody would pray. And then when we were done, we'd break up and we'd go form another group of five or six and we would pray. And we'd break up, go form another group of five or six. And all through the message and all through the movie, we, with tears, prayed. And that night, over 350 people got saved because we had boldness. We used prayer as a boldness. Find a person that has been with God. They will have the heart for God, for everything. Remember when Moses returned after seeing God, his whole face shone? He had a heart for God when he came back. Do you want to be that kind of a person? Do you want that kind of a church? You can be part of a kind of, that kind of church if you will pay the price in prayer. Number six, the first century church faced great trials through prayer. In Acts chapter 12, a mighty leading of the church, James, the brother of John, was killed. They thought it was such a great idea that they got James, they decided to go after Peter as well. And in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, Peter's in prison, and they're getting ready to kill him. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. They faced trials through prayer. If, if you've already read the story, you know the ending of it, that when they prayed, Peter was miraculously delivered, and, and he went to the house that they were having the prayer meeting, and he knocked on the door, and the girl answered, and she said, Peter's here, and they said, no, get back here, and we need to keep praying for Peter. The first century church faced times of great trial, and they made it through with prayer. I've always asked myself this question. Peter's in prison. He's miraculously set free. How did he know where to go to? How do you know which house to go to? X, X 12, 12. And when he had considered the thing, he thought about it. He, why did I get released? He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Charles Spurgeon says that Peter knew the only reason he'd been delivered was because of a praying church. Therefore, he knew exactly where to go. He knew exactly where they were. They were at prayer meeting at Mary's house in Jerusalem. So that's where he went. He, they were that reliant on prayer during great trials. Number six. The first century church sought God for opportunities to get out the gospel through prayer. In the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 
with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the ministry of Christ for which I am also in bonds. The followers of Christ were taught by him that they could receive what they needed from God through prayer. This was the biblical method they employed in times of need, including opportunities to get out the gospel. Why, why do we, in our century, focus on a program over prayer? Oh, the means can change, but the measure, the methods must always be biblical. What, what do I mean by the means? I, time changes the means. Years ago, years ago, before any of you were around, if you wanted to start a bus ministry, it would have been a horse and buggy ministry. That's a means. In the future, maybe we'll do a, like, a, like a jet airplane ministry. We'll go jet airplane, pick people up from all over. I don't know. That's means. That can change. We must seek God in our church to lead us and show us how to get out the gospel, never violating our biblical message or our biblical methods. We can use the internet. We can use a bus ministry. We can use Bible clubs in public schools, but our message has to stay biblical. How will we know how to get the message out? How will we know? God tells us in Colossians 4, 2 and 3, he says, if we pray, he'll give us direction. We need to pray to get the direction. I may have told this story to you once before, but it had a huge impact on my life when it comes to witnessing. I was there in Mexico with my youth group, and I was going from, from station to station, praying with my kids all around and forming new groups. And I told you that there were a couple of my kids that were, that were Spanish speakers who were learning how to speak Spanish, and I watched them as they walked into the crowd, and they would pull somebody out with the John Romans, and they would sit down and they would lead that person to Christ in Spanish. I felt left out. I wanted that for me. I wanted that, so I prayed. In one of my groups, I prayed this, not knowing how, if, or how. It was, it was impossible. But I prayed, God, give me one soul. Just give me one. So I had my John Romans in Spanish, and I started walking around and I had my Bible, my English Bible. I knew there was somebody in that crowd who spoke English that needed to be saved. And I prayed, and I walked around, and I prayed, and I walked around, and suddenly from out of the crowd, out of nowhere, this old gentleman comes out, and he's got a Spanish copy of John Romans, and he's pointing it to him, speaking in Spanish, pointing to that, and then pointing at his heart. Pointing at that, pointing at his heart. He's, I want this. I didn't know what he was saying. And I was lost. He came right to me, and he's like, uh. and I, 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 I started, tears started coming down my eyes because I knew what he needed. I knew what he wanted, and, and I just bowed my head to keep the tears from showing. And suddenly a little hand grabbed my hand, and I looked down, and there was this little boy about 9 or 10 years old. He said, he wants what's in that book in clear English. He wants to know, can you show him? And so for the next five or ten minutes, I used a nine or ten-year-old, what I thought might have been an angel, interpreter, and that old man accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And I praised God for that. But not only that, that little boy did too. 
I got two that night because I prayed. God can do amazing things when we pray. It's prayer is super important for our church. Do you want to be part of a praying church? Hudson Taylor was one of the people that I've read about that had an immense and awesome prayer life. He, he was the founder of the China Inland Mission. He, he was definitely a prayer warrior. And he chose this as his life motto. He said, God is always advancing. We need to be a church that is advancing in prayer. That's what the New Testament church did. That's the kind of church we need to be, a church of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you've given us this example of the first century church and how they prayed and how they depended on you completely in their prayers. We pray that you help to protect us, guide us, give us boldness to spread your word and to work together as a bonded body of Christ to pray fervently so that your word can bring, be brought forth. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our, your Son, and our Lord and Savior. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.